Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is the Scott Score Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Chris Toner. We discuss the big topic of VAR, the League Cup semi-finals from the weekend, the latest transfer business with the old firm, all this and so much more. Enjoy the episode. Well, Chris, my man, it's the first podcast of the new year. How are we? Yeah, good. First Scott score of 2023. Let's do this. 100%, mate. We've got a lot to discuss, but I think we should briefly go over the old firm game from the 2nd of January, which fe- finished in a, a 2 0 draw. What was your take on it? Uh, yeah, well, um, first, um, I was at work. Um, I got away to see the game, but um, yeah, I saw the team and that was a bit, uh, a bit like okay here. Um, thought it was a big call given Alistair Johnson his debut in the old firm, but he did impress me. Um, what a game changers on the bench. Um, for me, you've got to start your strongest eleven, not rely on having to make those substitutions and then as was the case. Um but I um did you make a few minutes in Maida, who I think's been probably our best player since he came back from the World Cup. I think that gave him a lot of confidence. What was your thoughts when you were at the game and seeing him capitalise on Morelos's mistake? Yeah, I was just thinking the worst, Chris. Um <clears throat> I was just thinking the worst, um it was a obviously it was a slack pass from Alfredo Morelos, but James Tavenier should have done so much better. Maeda should have not got through there, and when obviously he scored, I, I was I was thinking it was going to be an absolute Celtic domination again. I thought Celtic were going to run away with it, and it Celtic in the first half. I thought Celtic didn't do much apart from get the goal. And obviously Ryan Kent had that chance that uh, Joe Hart uh, tipped onto the post. Um. But still, was like the Rangers' first half performance didn't really fill me with any hope going into the second half. But second half, Rangers were a completely different team. Rangers obviously got the equaliser early doors through um, Ryan Kent, a lovely pass from Fascist Akala, where uh, Ryan Kent just cut inside, but scored with his right foot as well. So I was like, okay, I think we can, I think we're going to kick on here. Then, not long after that, Rangers get a penalty after Starfield uh, took uh, Sakala out in the box, and James Tavenier, Captain Tav, steps up and scores his 100th uh, career goal, which is incredible for a, a right-back. It's absolutely absolutely sensational. Um, and second half, I think you agree with me, Chris. I felt as though Rangers were the better team, where they were in control. But this is where the big difference between Rangers and Celtic are at this moment in time, where Rangers brought on Ryan Jack, James Sands and Scott Wright. Celtic bring on Jackamakas and Jota, the golf and the depth there is like night and day. Um, and I do feel as though the, the subs really did cost Rangers, where I found it baffling that Scott Arfield did not come on. Um, James Sands, um, he was just a bomb scare. Um, I think you, you can recall, Chris, uh, in the second half, where James Sands had the ball uh, right outside your box, and he was holding on, holding, on, holding on to the ball for about, it felt like a lifetime. Then he ended up losing possession. But as the way the game was going on in the last like 10 minutes or so, it was... I think everyone expected Celtic to get that late equaliser, and they did through a Kyogo goal. Get Kyogo getting his first um, game in an old first sorry first goal in an old firm derby. Um, so I did feel as though Chris it was two points dropped. It was two points dropped. Rangers should have won that, and I think you can agree with me. Celtic got very lucky in the end to get that point, but that is a massive point for Celtic to get get from Ibrox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, is um, it was quite a sloppy equaliser for Rangers to concede. Obviously, VAR once again was a talking point. Um, I have seen, obviously, the penalty that was given back. Um, 
watch that back once emotions died down. There was some contact from Starfield on Sakala's foot, and as much as you might feel like Sakala's on the floor like that, with his fist, like, yes, I want a penalty. Um, make contact in the box, it is always going to be a penalty. The big one, of course, was um, Connor Goldson, the arms in the air blocking Starfield shot. Um, a lot of Celtic fans were really up by that, that it didn't at least go to VAR. Um, yeah, like, <clears throat> at the time, I could understand my Celtic fans would be like, oh, like, we should have got a penalty. Then, the next day, that was all cleared up where the IFAB came out and said, I'll just quote it here, Right, so it's, this is a question and answer thing on their website, right? So the question is, an attacker takes a powerful shot and goal. A defender who is very close puts their hands in front of their face as a reflex action to protect their face and the ball with their hands. And, I'm sorry, and the ball hits their hands. What is the referee's decision? The answer, the referee allows play to continue as the hand-arm position was a result of the player's natural reflex movement and did not make the body unnaturally bigger. So once that came out, that just cleared it up that it was not a penalty. But I do see the other side in terms of, like, that should be explained more, whether it could be someone, for example, the referees could explain it to the fans at, the, at that moment in time why they why that decision was not given as a penalty. So, yes, it was not a penalty. Like, you can agree with that, Chris, after the rules came out. But obviously, in the same token, I can understand frustrations from some Celtic fans where they're like, okay, why, why was that not explained like to us? Like, for example, when we watched the World Cup, we've seen like a, a professional referee uh, working for ITV and BBC where a decision was made. They would instantly explain it. But I, I've been saying this for a long time. Referees should do post-match, post-match interviews. They really should. If players and managers have to do them, referees should do it too, where they should come out and explain why that decision was made, why they didn't give Celtic a penalty. And I think that would clear a lot of things up where if they'd done that and said, okay, in the IFAB rules, this is why I didn't give this penalty, there'll be no confusion confusion whatsoever. And then Celtic fans will be like, okay, understand it, let's move on. Instead of like the, the ongoing garbage you see from certain pundits, it, it, like the week after the, an old firm game where they're going on about conspiracies and like this and that. It's all utter nonsense. But if they'd done interviews after the game, it would clear all this nonsense up. Yeah, absolutely that. Or um, have it on the screen to say them like a replay of the action, maybe along with some text on the screen to yep. explain the rule. Like once that rule came out, then obviously that's the letter of the law. That's the what the referees on the day, um, John Beaton and Molly Collin would have went by and decided not to go to VR. So, but if it could help benefit, explain that a bit better. Um, as you say, is, um, don't think Sky will invest to that extent in having a professional referee and should be able to explain such a decision on a Scottish game. Unlike you've got BBC, DITV at the World Cup. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And like even when you look at the World Cup as well, where the the Germany and Japan game, <clears throat> where we thought the ball was out of play, we all did. We're like, no way, that's out of play. Then they got the rules up, and then we seen it from a different angle. And we, after the referee explained it, <clears throat> it just saved so much confusion. And then we're like, okay, that's why that decision was made. But yeah, I do agree. I don't like Sky would want to invest in having a professional referee explain to the punters or or the SFA even have that system in place. Where you made a good point, like. Right after the corner goes in handball, right, it wasn't given. Explaining the on the big screen why the decision was not given to Celtic for a penalty. Yeah, and obviously we're going to come to the League Cup um, semi-finals next. Um, 
with the two valve decisions on Saturday, neither of them were replayed in the screen, replayed to the people watching at home, but they don't show it in the stadium, which I think they need to do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, and we obviously we will touch on the, the two big VAR, uh, well, the two big controversial decisions from the, the two League Cup semi-finals, but um, obviously we'll, we'll go to the first one, Celtic versus Kilmarnock, a 2-0 victory for Celtic. Chris, um, what, was your, what was your thoughts on the performance? What, was it a fantastic Celtic performance, but job done? Um, yeah, as you say, it's not a fantastic performance. Um, Kelly were frustrating in the day. In fact, they nearly drew first blood. Mackenzie given the chance in the opening minute, um, but Celtic got the lead as um, Maeda again. Um, he got the last touch on Kyle Lafferty's attempted clearance. Um, kind of the Celtic fan I made that. I'd love seeing him only lasting a half in his first game back in action after a 10-game ban, I think. Yeah. It was... Um, Aye, 10 games. Kelly, they still proved um, resilient. They had a header that Joe Hart had to make an awkward save out of. Um, then the second half, um, Juranovic's shot was blocked and Hattati got put, got the last touch on it into the net. Um, this was the first VAR review. Um, if you're going to review it, um, I don't know how... I don't think even the referees know. Um, do you review it? Do you call it back for the potential preceding handball and potentially award a penalty there. Um answers on a post cal. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I know what you're saying about the referees. I think like sometimes I don't understand why they're not called over to the monitor. Sometimes you just go by the earpiece, that's it. So it's it is quite confusing as well because and you see it down south as well, the majority of the time the referees will always go over to the monitor if it's like a big call to be made, if it's a goal or whatever, if, even if it's narrow margins. Um, yeah, I think the, re- the referees over here need to start doing that. Yeah, well, I think they did the um, was it game at Celtic Park midweek before um, Christmas, and I think it, it was an absolute mess, though. It was like two cages for him to go over to the monitor. It's like, should you not be over straight away? Yeah, yeah. So I was speaking to David Martindale about that, and he says it, it, it infuriates him massively how it takes like four or five minutes just for a simple check, whereas down south it's like a minute at most. Boom! See the see the decision from all these angles. Boom! Okay, that's it. Decision made. Yeah, that's an absolute mess. Um, and then VAR once again it ruled out a goal by Maeda denying him his brace. Um, theoretically, yes, by strict interpretation rules, Keel goes foot as offside, but I think that. VAR has created some absurdities. His, his body's hanging forward. His dragon heel isn't going to affect play. Yeah, ask me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, like, <clears throat> what did you make of the... Towards the end of the game in stoppage time, where <clears throat> Jack is brought down right in the, the box, which was a clear penalty. Everyone can agree with that. Then Celtic go up and, like, score and, like, knock Kamarnock uh, out the cup. And what was your take on that? Like, I think you'd be in agreement that it was a stonewall penalty for Kilmarnock. Like, even VAR didn't pick that up, which was baffling to me. Yeah, I definitely think it should have went to VAR. Um, and Kilmarnock should have been awarded a penalty and possibly facing extra time at that point. But, um, yeah, Celtic definitely got away with one. And then the other end, Celtic go down, get the sucker punch, finish. Um, Jack Amakis rebound and Turnbull shot. That's possibly his last act in a Celtic shot then. Yeah, it may as well just uh, talk, touch on uh, Jack Amakis right now then. So it looks like he's going to be going to Japanese side. 
Yawara Red Diamonds for a fee of four million euros. Um, I <clears throat> I just find that baffling, Chris. The fact that Celtic are letting arguably their best striker go for that amount of money because his contract's up in twenty twenty six, right? Like, there's no rush to sell him, and we, especially if you if you are going to sell him, right? And he is a very good player. You would you'd be expecting to get a bit more money considering the fact he's got three years on his contract. So, but the rumours that, that I've been doing the rounds are that he's unhappy with his contract situation. He wanted an improved contract. Celtic said no, and now he wants to go. So, so obviously it's clear as day he's unhappy there. And I feel as though that is very poor management for, from Celtic if they allow him to go, especially for that amount. But what's your take on it? Yeah, I can understand why he should be getting paid more. Um, if Celtic can't go and pay them, then obviously the logical thing to do is move him on. But um, yeah, as little as he's going to go for, um, €4 million Euros is the figure I've seen. I've seen figures in pounds quoted as little as £3 million. Pounds. And Patrick Clamalla, he went to New York for £3.5 million. Pounds. So, um, But what really concerns me is that I don't think we're going to get his replacement this window. We keep being like with Cho Sung, the South Korean striker, it's, but it feels like it's very much, well, he won't be. There's a interest from a number of other clubs in him, but um, obviously the behind-the-scenes politics um, doesn't reflect well on Celtic, but also on the field, like, there's a real lack of striker depth in the squad. Um, if Jackie Marcus is going to go, like, he'll go on his day, can be a good striker, but given he's very injury prone history I'd be concerned if we don't replace Jack and Marcus this window yeah <clears throat> and it, like it is a, it's a very strange one as well like, I seen Chris Sutton uh, tweeted out earlier on today he was saying that he, th- he thinks it's bonkers that Celtic are allowing it to go um, and because he's saying as well there's a league to win there's a Scottish Cup to win there's a League Cup final coming up very soon as well why would you want to sell arguably your best striker halfway through the season maybe the summer yeah but we all know how tough the January window is to get replacements in, and Jackie Marcus is going to be a very, very difficult player to replace. Um, but that's it's going to be a big blow for Celtic if he does go. And a lot of Celtic fans are obviously unhappy about the fact that he is going in. Another player that could be going as well that looks like it's going to be set in stone is um, Jovanovic. He looks like he's, he's set to go to Serie A side, I think. Um, I can't recall the name of the team, um, but they are pretty much fighting relegation. Last I checked, they're sitting 15th, 16th in the league. Um, and he, obviously he was touted uh, for a big move away from Celtic to the likes of Barcelona, Athletic Madrid and, and all this stuff. And now he it looks like he's going to be going for €7 million. Euros. And he had a fantastic World Cup as well. So what, what's your take on that? Yeah, um, it's like, a, as you say, he's a very good World Cup. Um, his performances against... Um, Argentina and Netherlands, I think, or something to be uh, marvelled at. Um, coming home with a bronze medal. Um, I'm not too concerned in terms of replacement. We've got a bit of depth there. Um, Ralston was there already, and we've signed Alistair Johnson, who looks obviously all right. But it does frustrate me how little he's going to get be getting let go for. It's like Celtic. It's almost like like when as much as these big clubs might be linked by his name, it's like. Are they really going to pay all that much? But he'd really be worth if he was at a club like that, um, off the back of his international performances. So it's like we're almost becoming pushovers, but it's a bit like 
he's going through my team with treble aspirations and getting back into Champions League to saving a team in Serie A from relegation. It's a, it's a baffling sort of move. Yeah, and um, obviously uh, Jovanovic, I think you probably will have that position covered uh, with uh, Johnston there. Um, I'm not a fan of Ralston, but I think Johnston looks like he could be a good player for Celtic. Um, but it's, it, uh, Jackie Mackey is going, that's a big risk if he does go, and it's one that could massively backfire. And if it does, and the Celtic don't get the right placement in, I think the Celtic support will be very, very upset with uh, the Celtic board. But we'll, we'll move on to the other... League Cup semi-final from the weekend. Uh, Rangers beat Abilene 2-1 um, with a game that went to extra time. A very nervy affair for myself as a Rangers fan. But Chris, I know you've got a few questions for me that you want to ask me about it. Uh, yeah, so um, Aberdeen um, were very threatening in the first half. They had a goal chopped off and then fired before the um, break. Um, going into the break, what was your thoughts? Just typical Rangers, isn't it? Um, I didn't fear that we were going to lose it though, but I don't understand what it is with Rangers. First half, we're always terrible under Michael Beale. Second half, we look like a completely different team. Um, it was a terrible goal to give away um, from Rangers' point of view because Bonabarisic was caught sleeping. Uh, he thought Mioski was offside. He was at the time. And then a, a long ball was played over the top. K- uh, Kennedy just bombs through. And then obviously at that moment in time, Mioski's uh, back on. Uh, and <laughs> like Boris, uh, B- B- uh, Barisic is like, Falling asleep, and then that's why you should always play to the whistle. He has to wake up, chase after him, and then the ball gets put into the box. And um, Ben Davies should have done better. Lovely finish from Mayowski, credit to him. Um, but yeah, it was a terrible goal to give away from Rangers' point of view, a defensive disaster. And then, second half, um, Rangers played much better. Uh, Rangers got the equalizer through a, a Alfredo Morelos assist that Ryan Jack um, shot that deflected into the, the back of the net. So Rangers are right back in the game. Um, and can I just say as well, see, trying to play football on that pitch, I felt sorry for every single player. That pitch was an, a national embarrassment. What a disgrace. It was it was pitiful. Like, there's no wonderful laugh at Scottish football, you know, when the state, our, our national stadium is in. You know, it was, it was embarrassing. But <clears throat> back to the game, though, so... Towards the end of the game, it looked like, oh, this this can go either way, you know. But um, And then Anthony Stewart recklessly it lunges in at Sakala and Anthony Stewart gets sent off. Um, that was a stonewall red card. Anyone that thinks otherwise, they should be banned from speaking about football because it was a shocker of a, ta- shocker of a challenge. And there was no need for <clears throat> Stewart to lunge in like that. He cost his team massively. And then it obviously went to extra time. Um, obviously, um, instead of extra time, uh, Michael Beale brought on Scott Wright for John Lundstrom. And I seen Scott Wright coming on. I was like, oh, God, Scott Wright. I'm not a fan of Scott Wright at all. But credit to Michael Beale. It was a tactical masterclass where Scott Wright came on, uh, put the cross into the box for Kamar Roof to slot it away. And it was 2 1. Two Rangers, two substitutions, uh, helped win the game. Then not long after that, Kamar Roof uh, had an awkward landing on his shoulder. Um, the poor guy cannot catch a break at the moment, so he had to come off. And then young Charlie McCann came on, and it was quite a nervy end to the game. Uh, so it was. It was very nerve-wracking. Um, Rangers seen it through, but there was a couple scary moments towards it, towards the end where there was uh, a couple shots that Alan McGregor had to save. But yeah, it was not pretty, I would say, from Rangers, even though I felt certain portions in the game Rangers were in control credit to Aberdeen they worked ever so hard 
Um, that's probably the best I've seen Aberdeen this season. Uh, Graham Shinney seems to be a game changer for them. They've missed that driving leadership in the midfield massively. Um, but yeah, Rangers got the job done. That's all that matters. Um, and yeah, Rangers are through the final. So happy days because if Rangers had lost that, that would have been a disaster. Yeah, league action tomorrow night. How do you see that going? League action tomorrow um, against Kilmarnock. Oh, Kilmarnock? Yeah. Yeah, Kilmarnock. Yeah, I don't know why it froze there. I, league action against Kilmarnock. Um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to that, actually. I think Rangers will win 2-1. Even though Rangers win extra time, uh, Rangers have more depth in the squad compared to Aberdeen. I think Rangers will get the job done uh, tomorrow night against Kilmarnock. Um and it's just all about winning for Rangers at this moment in time. But oh, there's another thing I just wanted to touch on, actually, uh, is Ryan Jack. Um, Ryan Jack obviously got mad in the match. He had a blinder of a game, Boston midfield. Um, and I don't know if you've seen his Instagram story, Chris, that he put, he put yeah. up. Um, he took a photo of the Aberdeen fans. I don't know, he didn't take the photo, but some, someone, uh, it might be a family member or something like that, took the photo, right? And it was his name in the screen after he just scored the goal. And he put the caption as, thanks for coming with a wee shush emoji, um, which I found quite quite funny. But it's the Aberdeen fans really don't like him, Chris. I, like he left the club six years ago and they're still holding on a grudge. Like if he if that, Ryan Jack went to anyone else but Rangers, Aberdeen fans would probably still love him. But because he went to Rangers, oh, they despise him. But it's I like that. I like when footballers like when foot, I like it when footballers give it back to the, the opposition fans after receiving. 120 minutes or so of constant abuse, you know. Yeah, um, I was obviously there for Dodgy 2017, the international friendly against the Netherlands, and he'd got out stinking from the Aberdeen support that night. But um, moving on, um, so no transfer business at Ibrox as of yet, but um, I do see that December manager of the month, Michael Beale, is linked with some players, Todd Cantwell of Norwich and Morgan Whitaker. How would those moves go down with the Rangers faithful. Uh, well, like Todd Camwell, this has been going on for the past like seventeen days, right? But apparently, there's some good development going on right now. Um, I, well, I seen Michael Beale said he likes the way it's moving along just now in terms of that deal, which is like promising to hear. And um, because we need to get signings in, Chris, <laughs> like it's, we need to get them in ASAP. But Todd Canwell, though, he's a he's got Premier League experience. He's a good player. Um, I think he would be a good fit at Ibrox. I think it's clear as day he wants to move uh, to Rangers. So I, I expect that uh, deal to get done because we need to strengthen in that midfield. That's been an issue for us for a, a good while or so. We need to get numbers in. We need to get some more numbers in there. Um, and uh, obviously Morgan Wicketer. Um, Morgan Wicketer, um, well, I'm actually quite optimistic about this one. Some other Rangers fans aren't optimistic purely because... He was on loan at Plymouth Argyle for like like the set the first half of this season. But see the thing is all right. See when you get these kind of players from League One. I mean, he obviously uh, he plays for Swansea, but he's been on loan at um, Plymouth Argyle, right? But see when you get these kind of players, though, they seem to do very well in the SPFL, right? And he's the first half of the season. He's had he's played well. He's he's scored nine goals, seven assists. Uh, in twenty five games, he's had sixteen goal involvement, sixteen goal involvement. So, like, and he's a right winger as well, and that's another area that Rangers need to strengthen in because we, we signed Matundo in the summer for three million euros. He's not hit the ground running. He's been a flop to say the least, right? 
I expect him to go out and loan. I don't see him lasting uh, at the club unless like if he has a good if he goes out and loan and does well, then maybe he gets a second crack at it in the, the summer. But it looks like he'll be he will be going out and loan. But yeah, what Morgan Wicketer though, I've heard good things. He's a, a PAC attacking right winger. And obviously he starts from the uh, the first half of this season, back that up. He wants to move to Rangers as well. So I expect that deal to get done. So they're the only two deals I expect Rangers to get done in the foreseeable future. Maybe one more as well. Um, but yeah, that's pro- that's like exciting to hear because I was kind of getting worried because we were 17 days in the window we're no sign to anybody. <laughs> and we need players, you know. But yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic in, in regards to that, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Celtic as well. Uh, what do you make of Celtic's transfer business? Obviously, he signed uh, Johnston, who looks like he will be a good player for Celtic. And then also, we discussed Jovanovic and uh, Jackie Marquez. They look to be off. But do you expect he heard anything, any more rumblings in terms of Celtic, who they might bring in? Uh, not really. But um, obviously, we've signed two more Japanese players um, Yuki Kobayashi on a free and um, Tomoki Iwata. Um, obviously, I don't know much about these players. Um, obviously. And you know, in the niche Asian market, um, tap into that market again. Um, so you're hoping it's kind of touch a genius for him and again, tap into unknown resources to many, and you find some diamonds in those players. Yeah, like because obviously, yeah, Andrew's done well in the transfer market, like, and he does have a good eye for a player with the Japanese players that he's brought in with Maeda and Atati. They're like two very talented players, even Kyogo as well. So <clears throat> I expect Celtic to get some more business done before the the window ends. But would you say overall with the, the squad that Celtic have got right now, you're happy with? Um, apart from the striker, um, yeah, I am. Um, we've got enough depth in most areas, and um, should well, I'd like to think we can hold on to the league, and then trebles not out with the realms of possibility. Obviously, with a very tough cup final against Rangers, we need to see how the next week few weeks play out before I feel bold enough to make a prediction on that game. But um yeah, obviously we've got Morton in the Cup on Saturday. Um they were actually our nemesis in the Cup about ten years ago. But um I don't see a repeat of that happening this weekend. Yeah, I remember that they was it was it the League Cup the notches out of? Yeah, the League Cup, yeah. That, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Duke Emery that scored the penalty. It was, yeah. And he's the modern yeah. manager. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, so he'll be looking for like maybe another upset. Um, but so in, like just in terms of league, Lucas, do you do you feel as though it's done now? Like after Celtic getting the point and sent the January, do you feel as though Celtic are going to win this league? I wouldn't say it's done. No, obviously we've still two more old clubs to play in the way. Um, things can balance out over time. Um, I think we'll definitely drop games at some point, but um, we're sitting quite comfortable as long as we don't drop too many and take care of business at Parkhead at least I would say then that that should be it but um, stranger things have happened <clears throat> yeah like, I don't think it's over just yet because if Rangers had lost the, the old farm game in the 2nd of January it would have been done and dusted yeah 100% yeah, like I, I will say I think I point suit Celtic more compared to Rangers mm-hmm. um, but Rangers saying that performance gave me a lot of, encu- a lot of encouragement it really did. And it's not over just yet. Yes, it will be tough for Rangers. Um, but since Michael Beale's 
uh, came into the club. He's really impressed me so far. The only points that we've dropped have, have been against Celtic. Um, and the players actually have an identity now, like a style of play, which is actually so much better to watch compared to <laughs> Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, but you can tell as well with the this Rangers team, the belief, the determination, the fight is back. Where Rangers have came, came uh, what was it? I think it's three times this season. I think it's three times this season Rangers sorry, three times under Michael Beale. No, sorry, four, four times under Michael Beale, Rangers have came back and got something from the game where they they, they were obviously losing and Celtic came back, got a point, losing to Aberdeen, uh, and then Rangers <laughs> ended up winning the game in stoppage time made two late goals through Scott Arfield. Then the Hibs game as well, Michael Beale's first game in charge where Rangers were uh, losing. I think it was um two one. I think it was two one, and then Rangers managed to come back and uh, obviously win the game but yeah it, things are looking promising under Michael Beale and see once he gets a full pre-season under his belt it'll be like ne- ne- next season though for sure like it's going to be a right like tight tight very tight title race uh, compared to this season but I don't think it's over just yet but they I'll be very I'll be the best I think Rangers could realistically hope for at this moment in time would be Two cups, two cups, and I'll be very content with that, and that will give Rangers fans a lot of excitement going into next season. But there's just another thing I want to touch on um, with uh, Tillman. Um, obviously, Tillman uh, has for some reason divided the Rangers support. I don't know why. Um, Tillman has got tremendous potential. He's a terrific footballer. He's got he's a hugely talented footballer. He's a maverick. Uh, I think he's just tremendous to watch. Um, so it looks like as well that um, his kind of future is a wee bit up in there in terms of if Rangers are going to sign him on a permanent basis uh, because obviously Rangers have got him on loan from uh, Bayern Munich um, and I think the the fee that Bayern Munich would want would be between three to five million. And to be honest, in my opinion, Chris, I would pay that because the boy's only 20 years old, obviously still got a lot to learn. And like obviously sometimes... It, like when he first came here um a few months ago, he's he was a wee, wee bit lazy at times and his work rate wasn't the best, but the, the guy does a lot. He is such a vet, he's such a good player, he's good at winning the ball back, he's good at creating things, he's he, he, I, I think he's a better dribbler than Joe Aribo. Um he can so he can just create something from nothing. Um and he got asked after the League Cup semi final about his future. Uh, and uh, and he got asked if he'd want to stay stay here on a permanent basis, and he was like, "That's between Bayern Munich and Rangers." And um, but I imagine he would want to stay at Rangers, and I feel as though Rangers should break the bank and get Tillman because if he's this good at twenty years old, Chris, just think right, how good he's going to develop under Michael Beale, who's a fantastic coach, right? And think about how much money Rangers could potentially sell him for in the future. I think it would be the right move for both Tillman and Rangers to make the move permanent. Yeah, because obviously he's happy at Rangers by, by the looks of it. He's loved by the support. Um, and obviously if he goes back to Bayern Munich, he's not going to get a game, let's be honest. Um, he'll probably be shipped out on loan to maybe a championship club or whatever. Um, but the, Rain- the Rangers board cannot let this they cannot let this slip whatsoever <clears throat> and the, the thing that infuriates me is the fact that like we do have money it's, we do look at the how well Rangers done in Europe last year and obviously Champions League money as well there's money there to get Tillman but we can't just like we, we can't just be tight 
And when it comes to the transfer market, we need to get Tillman in for £5 million, pay the money, and then develop him. And then we can just think of the profit Rangers can make in that, you know. So I hope Rangers can get the deal done in the summer. Um, but but I, I don't think Bayern Munich would want any more than £5 because I think, I'm sure, it says in the contract, the, the most they would want is five. So, yeah, I'm I'm confident, I'm going to be optimistic that I think Rangers can get the deal over the line. But before we head off, Chris, um, obviously you mentioned the Rangers Kilmarnock game. I'll give you my prediction in that. But I think we should do some predictions for tomorrow's SPFL games, right? So I'm going to ask you what's your thoughts on Celtic versus St. Mirren. How do you see that going? Um, obviously. Well, I know why you're asking me this. I've seen your TikTok um, before <laughs> I came on. Um, obviously, that's like the one loss on Celtic's league record this season. Um, and obviously, St. Mirren um, came to Parkhead. It was during the COVID season. Um, and beat us for the first time in the best part of 30 years, but um, 2-0 Celtic. Yeah, obviously, I said uh, I said one each on my TikTok video, and uh, if, obviously, listeners, if, if you are uh, interested in my TikTok page, it's uh, Scott Bradley X, you can see all my like crazy opinions and whatnot. Uh, so I think it'll be one each. I don't, the reason I'm saying that is because St Mirren are always good against the old firm. They're a very well-organised unit and they are very frustrating to play against. They've uh, took points off Rangers and Celtic this season. So I, I fancy be upset that I'm going to go one each. Hearts versus Aberdeen. Aberdeen obviously coming off that semi-final that went to extra time. Um, they, they will be knackered. Tynecastle is a very tough place to go. Hearts doing very well in the league right now, sitting third comfortably. Um, how do you see that one going at Tank Castle? Um, probably 3-1 Hearts. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 Hearts. And Livingston versus Dundee United. Livingston obviously won at the weekend 4-2. Yeah, um, 2-1 Levy. Yeah, I said 2-1 Levy too. And obviously, come on up Rangers, I give you my opinion. Let's hear yours. Uh, 3-1 Rangers. 3-1 Rangers, yeah. Like, yeah, Rangers can't afford to drop any points, Chris. Um, as I was saying earlier on, like Rangers cannot afford to drop one single point because if Rangers drop points tomorrow, Celtic win, that's 11 points. That's going to be even more difficult to uh, claw back. So all Rangers can do right now is just keep winning games, winning games, and like trying to claw that gap back as much as possible. Um, but Chris, is there anything else that you want to add before we, we head off? Uh, no, that's pretty well covered. Um caught up and scoring Scottish football at this point in the new season. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's uh, good to have it back. Um, World Cup is fantastic and probably enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> also, Argentina uh, beat France in the final. And I'll ask you this, Chris, was, would you say that that World Cup final was the best football game you ever watched? Probably, yeah. I've Obviously, an NFL fan, most Super Bowls, like the biggest game, biggest occasion in that sport, usually always deliver. And I said before, the World Cup final, I hope this delivers. Usually, they fail to deliver on so many levels. Usually, the Champions League finals kind of the showpiece event of football. But, um, yeah, just that quality of game, going the distance, high highest level. Yeah, everything about it, all the storylines in between. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I loved the World Cup. I thought it was uh, fantastic. It was. I was so invested in it. It was. It was so exciting. And that World Cup final was just like it just was insane. Where it looked like Argentina were going to go on and get a comfortable comfortable win in ninety minutes, and Mbappe turns up, scores two goals in the space of a few minutes, and then goes extra time. Messi scores, then Mbappe 
then France get a penalty, but Mbappe scores, then Argentina won the World Cup on penalties. But one last thing I'll say before we, we head off, actually. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo is now playing in Saudi Arabia. What do you make of that move? I think it's a little bit sad to see him. Obviously, money talks these days, but I think it's a bit sad seeing him. Like, even he's going on 38 next month, um, he'd still play at the highest of levels. So, but it's shame to see him. Well, no disrespect to Saudi Arabian football, don't know much about it, but um, yeah, a league like that compared to he was just in the Premier League, bailing Man United now. Yeah, like, and obviously I'm a massive Ronaldo fan, as all the listeners know. Um, I was disappointed to see him go to Saudi Arabia because I do believe he can still play at the top level. But obviously at the age, uh, he's coming up 38. And see, I don't care how rich you are, right? If you're getting offered 200 million a year at the age of 38, I don't care how rich you are. That is very difficult to turn down. So I'm gutted he went there. But in the same like in the same thing, I can understand it. You know, I can understand why he, he made the move. But yeah, I, I'm gutted he went. But like, I, th- I think that'll be him done uh, at the top level because he did say that. He did come out and say that. Um, like, he's, he's working Europe is done. So yeah, I'm gutted to see that. But it'll be interesting to see how many goals he's going to score over there because he could actually become the first player to score 1,000 goals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, guys, take care, and we'll see you soon.